All right. How about that intro, huh? A little different than the first one, right? Maybe a little thriller vibe from Derek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so, yeah, as you guys can see, definitely a little different uh, feel to it because this is starts off our Crypt series, our Tales from the Crypt. So a little Halloween, little Christmas uh, intro to us. So Can't really tell. Yeah, it's okay, though. Um, we have a special guest with us here today, actually. He's going to introduce himself right now. What's going on, y'all, on the radio world? This is uh, Gerald Merritt, <laughs> one of the other residents at Westside. Well, we told you about him, so here he is. Uh, he'll be chiming in periodically uh, during the series and the rest of them. So uh, basically during this episode and from here on for maybe, what do we have, four or five parts? Uh, we're going to be talking about Tales from the Crip, and that's the interview prep, basically. Yeah. Basically, it's going to be us uh, kind of sharing some of our insight and uh, experiences with the interview process and kind of um, hopefully provide some good information for students to practice and uh, prepare for this sort of thing. Yeah, and for all the, the fourth-year students, obviously, you know what CRIP is. You've been preparing for this and talking to the residents about it. But for anybody that doesn't know or some of the under-years that are listening, um, what what is CRIP exactly, guys? So CRIP occurs uh, January, I think, historically every year. Um, I think for the past decade, it's probably been in Frisco, Texas, and uh, it's it's at the Embassy Suites, um, and basically what it is is it's a um, centralized interview process. So I think majority of podiatry residencies participate. They all fly down for like an extended weekend, and uh, you know it's broken into two parts, Section 1 and Section 2, um, and that usually corresponds to East Coast and West Coast programs. Um, and, and basically every, all the students are there for that year and all the residency programs are there for that year as well as a lot of the residents as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice when you go and you, you go on rotations and you talk with the allopathic or osteopathic, uh, students and they tell you how many flights they have to take yeah. to go to interviews at the individual hospitals and talk with all these people and go through the same, you know, song and dance. It's exhausting. And for us to just go to one place and it's all there, it seems kind of daunting, but it's actually it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's one and done. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more calming. You know, it's one place. You don't have to be traveling everywhere. You don't have a bunch of different people you're meeting at all these different times. Um, makes it a lot more convenient for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit about what CRIP is. Um, now we're going to dive into... I guess the meat and potatoes of everything with uh, interviews, yeah. right? So, so this episode is is mostly focused on kind of things to do before CRIPS. Um, so your your scheduling, uh, your preparation, kind of how your interview strategies and how you how you should study for this sort of thing. Um, so just kind of moving right along. Um, once your interview scheduling goes live, um, you'll have a couple of options, a couple of different tiers of, of money that you can pay in order to schedule programs. Um, I believe the first tier, I think, is up to 16 interviews, I, I think. think. Something like that, 16 yeah, or 20. Which, which for most people is, is plenty enough. Um, I would think that really only you'd have to take additional interviews if you were maybe didn't match the prior year or you were extremely worried about actually getting a program. Um, but 16 is definitely way more than, en than enough. Um, yeah. I personally only took, I think I scheduled 11 or 12, and I ended up canceling one. I think I, I only took seven. How many did you take, Jer? Yeah, I was at six. Six. Okay. Yeah, I think that's about, that's a good number. I think 10 and below. I mean, like Derek said, unless you're sitting there and you just had 
awful rotations all throughout the year. There's there's not really many that you're you're going to need to do, and hopefully you have a good idea of you know where you liked and where you think they liked you. I mean, that's a big part of this is is strategy. Don't ever throughout this whole process don't ever think that you know you're you're just going through the motions. Everything's pretty deliberate, you know, from scheduling to what programs you interview at to what you're thinking. You got to you got to put that in mind. So, yeah. I just I I feel like I when I scheduled mine, I was scheduling at a lot of really competitive programs, so I wanted to make sure that I had plenty of options in case some things fell through. Um but you can kind of feel it out and you should kind of have a feel for like where you feel like you're competitive at um, unless you're just completely clueless, yeah. which is possible. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, they play it there, you know, a lot of this whole uh, interviews and rotations. It's, it's a lot of, um, a lot of mind games, honestly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I know a lot of people, they scheduled, you know, 10 interviews where they rotate through four or five of them, but they use the other interviews as a practice. You know, sometimes that's a good strategy for some people, some people that makes them more nervous and kind of waste, you know, some of their time and space and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's kind of just up to you how you feel comfortable with the programs that you were at. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely took interviews. Uh, I took, I think, six at programs I rotated through and five or six at ones I didn't. And I definitely noticed a kind of a sharp difference between how those interviews went. Um, the places I had been, obviously, were a little more familiar, a little more laid back and friendly. The ones where I, I didn't rotate through, they were a little more aggressive and kind of you know standoffish maybe yeah maybe a little bit i i kind of had the experience of the ones that i didn't interview or didn't rotate at i was just i was in there and it was you know let's see where this goes i don't know it wasn't really any pressure because i didn't know anybody i didn't really know it was kind of like the ignorance is bliss kind of situation you know you go into a program and maybe they they don't know you you don't know them and you wow them um and you kind of come out of nowhere which happens um you know yeah, Derek's pointed to himself. <laughs> He'll have a, a nice little story to share, I'm sure, from our program. But, yeah, it, it's definitely definitely part of the whole uh, process is what you do. I always tell people to do a practice one before. I think it, I think it helps so much. You're so nervous about everything, and there's, there's so much going on in the actual embassy suites. You know, you see all the people, and they're sitting there outside the rooms. You know, people... God forbid they come out crying or whatever. It happens, and you see it, and you want to be comfortable. Um, but if you're one of those people, like Jer said, that just likes to get in there and, and just go, schedule them, and you know, go through it. That's yeah. you got to find what you like, and I think that goes with uh, practicing, right? With some friends and family a little bit before, or you know, if you if you're good with some of the residents, you can practice with them too at some of the programs you were at, right? Yeah, you know, it's not bad advice to, you know, if you feel like you had a good month, you can always ask. There's no there's no harm or foul by asking the residents, hey, you know, hopefully I get an interview with you. If so, what, you know, what should I expect? And a lot of times the residents love to open up about kind of how to help you, especially if they like you. They'll want, they'll want you to do well. Um, I at least know that our programs like that a lot. Um, we try to give them some tips as far as what to study. Um, kind of taking a step back um the opposite spectrum of taking a lot of interviews is, is taking like two or three or four. Oh boy and and that's fine um especially if you essentially think you already have one in the bag 
um, just to kind of cover yourself with like two or three other options. But I would strongly urge people to be very cautious about taking a low, low amount of interviews because, you know, like I said, there are a lot of games going on and a lot of, a lot of programs aren't completely honest with you and some people get led on and I see it every year. And, you know, if, if you are led on and you think you have something in the bag and, and match day comes, you'll scramble, you know, so you want to take, take it very cautiously. Yeah, and there are a lot of programs that will tell you that they're ranking you number one or, you know, in the top five or six, whatever. Um, but they are also playing a game. They want to end up with the best residents, and you're trying to play the game also. So you're trying to get the best spot, too. So be very careful what they do tell you during the interview process. Yeah, I, I always tell people this analogy when we're on rotations and when students ask us about it. I was like, Interviews for podiatry school is like a mixture between The Bachelor and the NFL Draft because you have to perform, right? You have to show your metrics and how good you are at whatever it is, anti-surgery, knowledge base, whatever it is, and you also have to be likable. You can't go in there and be um, kind of standoffish and expect everyone to just come to you because you have a, a good grade point average or you did a lot of research or whatever it is. You, you can't expect it. So you got to play this back and forth with them, and they're doing the same thing. It's a dance. Um, but what do you what do you guys think about that whole process with the with the programs playing this games of? And I'm not saying that everybody does because I know we don't. You know, we're we're really the, the, pretty on the it. The problem is, is you don't know who is and who isn't. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. So you have to kind of assume that everyone is playing the game. Yeah. Well, no, I mean with with the rankings right like if somebody comes up to you and they say hey you're our number one we we want you what what's the right answer to say in that situation i know what i'd say but what would you guys say somebody comes up to you and says hey you're our number one or you're in our top three i mean you kind of you kind of just play along with them honestly yeah um yeah you kind of i mean if you're if that is really your number one program you flat out tell them um if it's not you kind of try to beat around the bush and kind of tell them that, you know, you really like, you know, just, just kind of change the subject. Honestly, is what I try to do. I'd say something along the lines of, you know, I really liked your program a lot too. Um, you guys, ha you know, you guys see a lot of this particular type of surgery, which I think is great. And I, I definitely would, would feel at home at your residency. Something, you know, something like that where you kind of beat around yeah. the bush, but you're not saying adamantly you're my number one program. Yeah. I always told them that, Hey, I, I love this place. I love the program. I love the residence, but there's so much stuff that I have to think about with my family and, you know, my wife and this and that, that, that I, I just need time to, to process everything. That's just what I told them. And most of the times that was, that was good enough. Um, but yeah, if somebody tells you that you're their number one, sure, go with it. I mean, you're in that room. That's the only one that matters at that point. So see. Yeah. I think it's pretty important just to stay positive throughout the whole process. You know, give them positive answers. Don't tell them too many negative things. Just tell them thank you very much and uh, kind of go from there, you know, especially if it's your number one, like Derek was saying, you want to tell them, you know, I love this about your program and, you know, you, you got to play a little bit of the game also, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good transition because because, you know, what you love about every program is it should be a little different. Um, there's no two programs that are identical um, and they know that and, and you should know that. Um, so, you know. This kind of all falls into now this next category we want to talk about, which is just basically, you know, interview strategies and, and how to prep for these things. Um, so like we kind of already alluded to, we think that you should take a moderate amount of interviews um, to so that you have you're safeguarded from scrambling. 
Um, and then when you schedule these interviews, hopefully, you know, you got to kind of know yourself. Are you the kind of person that needs to warm up before an interview or, you know, are you somebody who can just go right in and, and do well? Um, I personally am the kind of person that needs to warm up. I wanted, I wanted kind of a trial interview. Um, so I actually scheduled, uh, decabs, uh, in Atlanta. That's a great trial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I scheduled their program first, which I had heard notoriously was a, was a fairly academic and, and difficult interview to get through. Um, it's also very, an int- a very intimidating interview because they sit you down in a, in a conference room with, I think like two or three residents and the program director. And then you sit down in front of a laptop that has a webcam going back in Atlanta where they have their huge conference room filled with like another 20, probably 20 people in there. So I just knew that it was, it was intimidating. I knew if I could just get that out of the way first thing and, and, and do well on it, that I would, it would set a pretty good vibe for, for the rest of my interviews. And that's ended up what happening. Um, so that's, that's what I think. Um, I know a lot of people will want to schedule interviews like back to back to back. Um, I would, I would advise against that. Yeah, I think I would that too. you should, I think you should have like a solid 30 minutes to at least an hour between interviews so that you can kind of regain your composure if you have a bad interview. And what I like to tell students who come through our program is honestly, I would prepare to have a bad interview. I, I really doubt that everyone goes to Crips and every interview goes just like they think they will. No. I mean, I know I had a bad interview. Um, my quick story about that is, is I interviewed in, um, at a program in Colorado and the first question right out of the gate was, was about, um, you know, hemochromocytosis. And, Is this a pathology slide? Yeah, it was yeah. pathology slides of, of blood. Mm. So, I mean, out of all the things to prepare for at Crips, I certainly wasn't looking at, he- you know, hematology. So. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely, definitely a process. And give yourself time. I, I think I only did two or three a day. Three was like max. I was burnt after the third one. And I think they were all done by like 11 o'clock and I went back to the hotel and I took a nap because I was just, I was burnt. Yeah. Um, and don't forget too, a lot of these programs will have callbacks the same day or the following day. So, yeah. you know, when you think you're only scheduling, you know, three or four a day, you might have as many as like six or seven with callback. Interviews. Yeah. They might have callbacks and secondary interviews and then You'll later have socials. at night, yeah, later at night you have to go to a social and then wake up early the next morning. So you gotta, you gotta balance this, you yeah. know, you gotta think about where you're, where you're coming from, but Really, I mean, it, it just matters what, what you're like. If you're somebody that can just run through it, then then fine. But I would really think that everybody is kind of in the same boat where they could use a practice or two. I don't think I talked to too many people that were just, let me just get, get my number one over with first and see where we go. Yeah. I didn't see that. I like. I think it's a good idea to warm up to your number one or two or three. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, real quick is, you know, I remember flying. This t- takes place mostly Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, I know that me and my group of friends, we flew in Wednesday, I think afternoon so that we had plenty of time to kind of get get a good night's sleep at the hotel we were staying at. And then we started interviews Thursday. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think we stayed until Tuesday just to make sure that any kind of social or callback or anything like that, that we weren't going to miss that. Cause yeah. I know, I know a couple of people who missed socials or callbacks because they scheduled their interview flights so tight that they essentially had to leave before they could go to like a callback and it shouldn't make a huge difference. But if the program didn't know that about you, that you, you know, had a flight, they'd think, Oh, well we really like this person, but they didn't even bother to come out to our thing. Yeah. They can't, so, they can't read minds. Yeah. I mean, they don't know where you're coming from. So you give yourself enough time that you need to, you know, kind of stay and you don't know what they're planning when the things are. Um, that's not on the schedule until you get it. Um, I know that for me the day before I had one of my buddies down there and we went out to dinner 
um, grabbed a few drinks and, and just kind of relaxed and watched some TV. Um, and, and that was it, you know, just kind of de-stressed before. And, uh, and I, I think I worked out a little bit and, yeah. and that was it. Definitely I mean, want to, definitely want to hit up the wild pitch sports bar. Yeah. You'll see the wild pitch. We'll talk about the socials, <laughs> the, the classic places classic. Of, uh, of crip. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll I mean, see what a we couple, mean. a couple of places around the embassy suites there in Frisco. Um, I know I stayed at the, um, um, Hyatt place. Um, there's also a Hilton right up, right up the street. Um, and then I know a lot of my classmates stayed at a home two suites. Um, I think Josh stayed, where'd you stay, Josh? I, I stayed, I stayed like a mile and a half down over yeah. at the Hampton Inn. So it, and I rented a car, so I didn't, I didn't have to Uber anywhere. I had it in my own car and yeah. that worked if out. You, if you stay close, you can walk all those three places that I listed off the Hilton, Hyatt and the home too. They're all within walking distance, which is kind of nice. Um, so if you have like a last minute thing, you can just walk there real fast. Um, I know a couple people who stayed like in Dallas almost, and I, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, I'm from the Dallas area, and you last thing you want to worry about is traffic and getting there and yeah. adding that extra stress. So what I recommend is, you know, staying very close. There's tons of good eating places around there, nice hotels, everything. So you have everything right in that area. You don't really need to leave. Yeah, and for the most part, it's a nice, clean, safe part of, of Texas. There. No, everything's brand new. Yeah, It's, it's, it's a nice. very nice place. Um, it'll be a little cold when you're there. <laughs> yeah. So so dress, you know, kind of warmly if you're going to walk everywhere. But just know that by the embassy suites, there is a lot of stuff, and the programs really do try to pull everything across the street at the restaurants there, make it easy for the students. Yeah. Um, I know where we're going to be at is only like a mile down the road, so it's not too far. Um, and they have Uber and stuff, so you're you're fine if you if you need a need a ride somewhere. Um, but yeah, think think about that uh, when you're planning your trip and where to stay, uh, which some people might have already scheduled. I don't know. Honestly, you should already have everything scheduled for Crips at this point. If you're yeah. if you're listening to me right now and you don't have it scheduled, yeah. you need to do that ASAP. Yeah, you need to do that um, like because now. hotels probably are filled up in the area. Your flights are going to be more expensive. I mean, just everything. You don't want to you don't want to be worrying about getting this stuff scheduled. Um, let's talk about prep. Yeah, what'd you what guys did you bring? Get, yeah, what what did we bring? What did we study? <laughs> um, I read through a lot of anatomy notes from from podiatry school that's good because anatomy is is kind of one of those core things that you will be asked until you can't handle it anymore and mm -hmm. they expect you to know this stuff cold um yeah i got asked i was in the middle of like a rat like a case mm -hmm. a case presentation on a mid shaft tibial fracture and the director just stops everything and asks me you know the insertion of the dorsal interossei just out of the blue just no he's like go like, oh okay um and yeah, I got it, but it took me a little second because I was a little like shocked. It's the tibia, we, right? Yeah, it's the tibia. It's the <laughs> mid shaft of the tibia. <laughs> don't please don't answer that. <laughs> it's not. Um, um, but yeah, I I think anatomies. That's a that's good yeah. to brush up on. I mean, the nice the nice thing is is due to the scheduling of of Crips and then you know part part two boards right before Crips. You know, essentially the the stuff you study for boards is still fresh in your in your brain, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that they'll ask you. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the big things like prism is great for interviews to cover your bases. Crozier. Crozier. I, I would bring prism and crozier yeah. for interviews. I like I like pocket pod in some in some aspects. I think it's yeah. it's good for a nice brief summary over I feel like some it's things. It's better for boards. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Prism's what, good. Prism's yeah. really good. I used Prism heavily. Yeah. Um Prism's great because it has a good section on there about social questions and Mm -hmm. I definitely believe that people neglect their their personal and social answers for for these questions because 
essentially most interviews that I had, they'll ask you a lot about academics and things like that. They'll ask you about your personal statement um, and, and things on your application. Those are all fair game. Um, yeah, your so, whole application is yeah. completely fair game. Yeah. I mean, don't obviously everybody puts things on the resume to try to make it look good. You're, you want to put all the clubs and things that you were in. But a good thing that I tried to do was I literally went down my resume. I had it with me and I had w- at least one or two things to say that I thought were important about the club that I was in, whether it was sports medicine or, you know, Hackfast, whatever it was, just little things, something that I did so that when they ask me about it, it's not just, oh, yeah, I paid my dues. Okay. Yeah. Well, what would you do to kind of make it better? You know, that's what you have to think about. Yeah. Um, so. You know, they'll, they'll ask you academic questions, and then, and then they want to know kind of you as a person, and, and this is something that – I feel like they'll elaborate more on if you were there as a, as an extern. I mean, they kind of know how you are academically and in, in, in the OR. They want to know more about your, your background and kind of what makes you tick. Um, yeah. And, and you should have these answers like, you know, weaknesses, strengths. Um, and, and we'll elaborate that in a future episode as far as kind of these common questions and, I, and what we think are kind of good answers for those. But definitely should be preparing for those. And like I said, PRISM has a good section right at the beginning that talks about all of those. A good thing to do also that I did was I'd go on YouTube and I'd just Google uh, like interview questions or interview scenarios and and see what happened. Yeah, I think your computer just yelled at me for something. Anyway, um, see what they have on there because even if it's a, a business interview or whatever, they're, they're all the same. They're trying to get to know you in 20 minutes. So you have to have some kind of strategy. Or less. Yeah, maybe less. Maybe less. In some situations like with us, it's only going to be 10 minutes of FaceTime mm-hmm. and then 10 minutes of academic time. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot. I mean, if you can find a way to say something memorable about yourself or express yourself in that short period of time so that somebody has a good, lasting impression, then great. Yeah. But that only comes from practicing. I don't know how many people are just sitting there, just great interviewers off the bat. Very few, I think. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people in podiatry school have never really done a formal interview. Yeah, um, I a mean, lot of people have never had like a real legit job. Exactly. I mean, you know, we typically, you know, uh, speaking, no one, no one really has had like a full time like desk job or anything like that. It's very rare to have something like that. And if you have, you've only had like maybe one or two. So. Yeah, I mean, if you've if you're one of the older applicants, maybe you've had a job, or if you took a gap year. Uh, then yeah, you've I think had a job. I think older applicants will have will actually have an advantage um, 100%. in interviews because they have the experience. Um, yeah, I agree. So. I agree. What did you bring with you, Jer? What did you have in your little little backpack? So I had What'd prism you study? and pocket pods, pretty much, um, and then any like class notes. Um, and then I also one thing I did was I talked to some of the uppers about some of the places they interviewed at. So they gave me, you know, some insight at, you know, this program asked me this, this program did that. So those are some other things that you can ask for is, you know, your upper, your big, that uh, that you might know a little bit better. Um, they might be able to tell you what they got asked during the certain interview. Yeah, most of the places are pretty consistent with what, what they ask. Um, things vary from year to year, obviously. And like we said in the beginning, we're not we're not trying to give you answers here. You know, we're just trying to help a little bit because... I know when I was a student and people are talking about Crip, it was like this weird thing that was just off in the distance. I had no idea what was going on. And maybe that was just me because, you know, I just was thinking clueless. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of clueless towards it (laughs) to a degree, maybe. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's get all the information you can. 
um, and hopefully this helps a little bit. But the stuff that you studied for boards and and things are, are going to be pretty good. Yeah. A lot of people fixate on like like little podiatry or, or medicine like trivia, which you will get asked like little little odd questions out of the blue, and they want to see you know that those those types of questions are usually asked to try to differentiate you from the mainstream versus somebody who is even more knowledgeable than than normal. But I heard a lot of classmates kind of this vibe they give off was basically that you can't study for the social questions. And that is, I think that's the farthest thing from the truth. It's so not true. Yeah. It, most of these programs will literally ask you the same three or four questions and then maybe an odd question out of the blue. Um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of them also will skim your, skim your personal statement. And if anything is, is unique or out of the ordinary, or if you did research or volunteered at a special thing or had a previous job that's interesting, or if you say anything interesting in your, in your personal statement, they, they will, they, they have no uh, restraint as far as asking you about that. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, students, uh, a lot of times view interviews like they do with boards where, I just got to get through it. I just got to pass it. I'm going to, you know, just I'm all I need to do is pass interviews. And, and that is not good advice. It's um, so subjective. Yeah. This process. Yeah. I mean, like Josh said, you have a small amount of time to set yourself apart from the other applicants. And I know especially our year and probably most years, I mean, it's a pretty competitive field. Um, and, it, and it usually is very minute things that actually differentiate you from the other applicants. So yeah, definitely. And sitting sitting on the other end as a second year resident now and seeing students come in. I mean, you just see it sometimes where you're like, wow, what what are you doing? Like, yeah. I I just it makes you cringe because you you've been in that situation and you understand the kind of gravity of the of it. And and they're just sitting there. So just just be engaged and really practice. Like Derek said, it's not a pass or fail. It's subjective. If you come off as likable, you can get every question wrong to a degree. Okay, not not airballing everything, but you can get things wrong and still be likable and still be competent and still get a program. Mm -hmm. If you get something wrong and you just flat out say, I don't know every time, which is fine in some circumstances, uh, it's not going to happen. You're just you're just there. You're a warm body. But if you say, I don't know, or if you try to explain yourself and you're, you're kind of in the right track, um, you know, then that might show a little bit better on you. But if somebody likes you, guaranteed they, they have to work with you for the next three years. So guaranteed they're going to at least give you consideration. Yeah. So think about it. Definitely yeah. practice. And, and, you know, you, you want to leave a lasting impression that's good, obviously. Yeah, um, you don't. That's kind of the thing is, you know, y you don't want to just be kind of a vanilla candidate. You want something that really sets you apart. Um, you know, what that is exactly, only really you will know. Um, but what if I like vanilla? Well, then you can have all the vanilla <laughs> applicants. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Derek said. I agree. I, I totally agree. It, you got to have something. I'm not saying come in there and, you know, waving flaming batons but yeah you gotta you gotta have something that and, sets you and apart don't, and you know i'm not saying come in there like really strong and, yeah and everything not I aggressive mean, you you can be depending on the program i mean you kind of have to also kind of feel out what your program likes um but you know just just use the use the time wisely yeah and like this uh, i think this is our last point um and we'll wrap this one up from from here and then kind of get into the bigger stuff in the next couple of episodes uh, we're going to go over types of questions and all of that good stuff at the interview, but really, really sit down and practice. And if you are going to practice with friends and family, fine. If you 
don't want to and you're too nervous, then just sit in front of the mirror and just talk to yourself. I, it sounds crazy, but to hear the words come out of your mouth uh, to the answers of some of these questions, it makes a big difference. You know, you got to go over and over and over these things to a point where it's almost, you know, just comes right out. It doesn't sound rehearsed. You just know what you're going to answer. Um, but you have to say it. You can't just you can't yeah. just come in and, and start rolling. Yeah, I, I would practice on the drive in the car yeah. um, out loud and kind of I, at least maybe I'm, I'm the only one here. But I, you know, way it sounds in my head versus the way sometimes it would sound when yeah, I it tried to different. articulate it. It was way different. 100%. And and it was kind of nice to say it and maybe you didn't like kind of how it sounded. So you change it up. Um, but those types of things where you are just, you know, you pretend you're being asked a question and you and you practice that. I mean, it kind of becomes muscle memory. Yeah, Jerry, absolutely. What, about, what do you about you? What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, hundred percent. You got to practice these things. You got to say it out loud. Um, one thing that I did like what they did at Shoal is they set up a mock interview with you know some of our attendings that we worked with. Um, you know, some people have the opportunity. If not, you know, I find working with you know another another person in your class is probably one of the better things because they know the information. They can also teach you something that maybe you didn't know. But yeah, you definitely have to uh, vocalize what what you're trying to say. That's a good point. Uh, you know, I think I think depending on kind of how you are, but uh, you know, studying with with friends or, or classmates for for interviews is great because you get to hear multiple perspectives on how they would answer it. I mean, there's a lot of times where the way that one of my friends would answer it, I was like, oh, I I really like the way you said that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, you have camaraderie in that. Yeah. It's just like in school. Yeah. You know, I hate to say that. And you need to practice with people, though. That's yeah. the, that's a really big thing. I mean, you can practice in the car. You can practice in front of a mirror. But, you know, being in front of a real person, even mm -hmm. if it's your friend, I mean, still is, is better practice. It's always easier to say something to a, a blank. Friends yeah. or family. But, you know. Yeah, blank canvas. Somebody that's objective and you can kind of bounce things off of. So yeah. try to practice. Um, and then take what we said about you know, interview prep and, and travel plans. Uh, like Derek said, you, you probably already have done most of that. So this is just like a, a little brief um, overview for especially the under years if yeah. they're, they're going to get to listen to this. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, you know, when you're, when you're practicing all this, you know, I think some people, the more they practice, the more they sound rehearsed. Um, you still want to sound genuine. You don't want to have every little word memorized. You Just the big picture, you know, how you're going to phrase something. Yeah. Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for us. Uh, like Derek was saying, uh, we have a few more episodes coming, but please uh, follow us on Facebook and uh, get in our SoundCloud account, um, CastBox and iTunes. You can find us. Yeah, um, and send us uh, send us your questions. Uh, yeah. The the DPM podcast at gmail dot com. So. There you go, buddy. Perfect. <sighs> Good. All right. So more to come. Uh, like you said, we're going to dive into Crips. Uh, in the next couple of episodes, much more in depth about what to expect and what you're kind of looking for. And I know you're all waiting for it. So uh, we'll see you then. All right. Take care. Bye.